Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hey everyone, thank you for joining today. Happy New Year. Today we have on Bobby Fosbury L. And she is 53 years old. She lives in Canada. She has three children and Her journey began in October 2021 when she was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And at that time, she immediately changed her diet, cutting out sugar, flour, rice, things of that nature. And she had a very high A1C at the time of diagnosis at 17.8. I don't think I've even heard of an A1C that high. So she was in pretty bad shape when she was diagnosed. And she's been able to, through changes in diet and fasting, get her A1C down to 6.3. Now she recognizes that she still has some room for improvement, which she's working on, but she's just got an amazing story. And she's a person that fasts daily, but her fasting isn't extreme. She does 16, 18 hour fasts for the most part. And that has been able to get her those extraordinary results. She's also lost a tremendous amount of weight And a very, very interesting aspect to her story is that her partner, Keith, is very big in the intermittent fasting community, and he helped her get started and has been helping her all along the way. So that's quite an impressive love story and adds a little bit of flavor to to Bobby's story. So I hope you enjoy listening to what Bobby has to say. I found her to be incredibly interesting. Hi, Bobby. So nice to meet you. Thank you for coming on today. Hi, good to meet you too. Um, I'm really excited to hear your story. It's uh, you've been doing this for about a year, I think. So um, you've had a lot of twists and turns along the way. Before we get into your whole uh, background story and everything like that, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, kids, job, whatever you want to talk about? <laughs> um, well, I live in um, the Okanagan Valley in BC, Canada. So that's uh, west coast of Canada. I am 53, almost 54. I have three kids. My son is 23 and I have a daughter, 26, a daughter, 28, and a two-year-old granddaughter. So keeps me kind of busy. Um, other than that, I work from home in HR. Um, yeah, that's the gist of me. Okay. Wow. Uh, well, you have, you know, that's great. You have children that age. So everybody, I guess, is out of the house. And is that right? That's right. Uh, my kids have all moved out. I'm actually right now in the process of downsizing, cleaning out my house so that I can sell it. And Oh, nice. And, you know, because I don't need a four bedroom house just for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, congrats on the next phase of your life. Um, so tell me what happened. Uh, I know you had some some health issues that brought you to fasting. Maybe you can just go rewind a little bit and tell, tell me a little bit about your background and what happened with the health issues that you started experiencing. 
So back in uh, uh, 2021, I was having all kinds of weird health issues, lots of uh, yeast infections, which I've never had in my life and just um, headaches all the time. And I just couldn't figure out what was going on. I saw my doctor and he, and he was like, well, at your age, you know, you're going into menopause. This is what happens. And he gave me um, some hormones to take and, and, you know, told me I'm just gonna have to tough it out. And then he retired. Um, when he retired, the new doctor that I got first meeting, I met her. She's like, so tell me what's going on. And I tell her and she says, do you mind if we run a complete uh, lab on you and just see where you're at? She said, I like to do that with my new patients, get a baseline. And uh, I was like, of course, absolutely. That's awesome. So she did that. And uh, two days after my blood work, I, I can look at them online and I have a in the past, I had a medical background, so I know what I'm looking at. Opened it up, and my A1C was like 17.8, and I was like, well, that's not right. Uh -huh. I've never heard of an A1C that high. I That must be like, all, I, I mean, I was. I was looking at the conversion was, charts. Like, I, it's not even yeah. on there. It must have been like 600 plus or something like that for a prolonged it was time. terrible. Yeah, it must have been. And that's obviously why I was having so many health issues. I just, my blood sugars were just way out of control. I had no idea. Nobody ever even looked into it. Right. And I didn't realize what, that all of those things could be a result of high blood sugars. And anyway, I, uh, they immediately put me on metformin and told me, you know, we might have to do insulin. And, and I, really did not want to do insulin. Uh, my mom was insulin dependent type two and it was just not a road I wanted to go down. So I, uh, like that, that day, the day I saw my results, two days before I talked to my doctor, I quit all sugar. I quit all carbs. Um, I was at that time somewhere between 230, 240 pounds. Um, and I just didn't want to end up the same as my mom. She passed away at 68 from kidney failure. Um, I just didn't want to be that person. So I immediately changed my diet and saw my doctor. They put me on metformin and glyburide. Um, that brought my blood sugars down. It, it brought your blood sugars down. So, I mean, if yeah. I can just back up a little bit in your story. So you see that 17.8 A1C, you were having the yeast infections, which totally ties with high blood sugars. Were you, did you have any other, were you just extremely tired all the time or? Yeah, I, I was tired all the time. I really thought maybe my iron was low or something. Cause I was, I was tired all the time. I had, I suffer with insomnia already. And that was really bad at the time. The headaches were terrible. Um, like I just didn't have a day without a headache. I, yeah, I don't know. Did you think in the back of your mind, like it could be diabetes because your mom, your mom had type two. Do you have any other diabetes in your family? No, just my mom. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know why I didn't even consider it. I yeah. never even, I guess I just didn't think that those were the, you know, the symptoms of, of, uh, diabetes. I hadn't researched it enough. I, you know, never looked into it. So um, so it was a blessing. My doctor retired. Yeah. Cause who knows what would have happened at that, at that level, it could have been pretty dangerous to prolong it. Right. 
it was already bad enough. I'm shocked you were still walking around, to be honest, with an A1C that high. Mm-hmm. That's really, really, really high. Uh, you must have just been it is. comfortable. I can't even imagine what you were going through at that time. Well, and I was seeing the doctor a lot. I kept kept going back. I'm not feeling well. I just don't feel good. I, I can't figure this out. I don't know what's going on. And he just kept saying, well, it's just menopause. Don't worry about it, right? Um, which, yeah. you know, you're 50, it could be. but And I've never been through menopause, so I don't know. Um. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like, I've actually been going through that a little bit myself. Like I haven't been feeling well. And, you know, the doctor's like, eh, you know, it's good to be just perimenopause and just don't feel good. I'm like, no, I want to find out what the reason is. It's not that it's probably something else. So you really have to advocate for yourself. I'm glad you finally got some Mm -hmm. answers because you would have probably been dead if you didn't. I mean, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I would have eventually, I'm sure my kidneys wouldn't have kept up. I would have, my kidneys would have healed over at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I, so my, my, my next A1C after the 17.8, my next A1C dropped down to, it was seven something. And oh, then wow. it's been down at 6.3 ever since I haven't been able to get it any lower than 6.3. I'm trying to get it below six. Right. But... So, uh, this was in January of 2023. Is that right? October of 21. October of 21. That's when it happened. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, so, and then after six months of just diet changes, I then added in strength training twice a week. Um, and then in January of this year, well, actually it was in November of last year, I found, I started looking for something to get me over. I just wasn't, I got it down to 6.3 and I wanted to, to, to amp it up and do something else. And, and I, started looking online and I found a, um, a free program for British Columbia residents called lifestyles, uh, diabetes management. And they claim to be able to, to kick life, uh, diabetes type two into remission. So I applied for that program. It was a 12 week program and, um, had to go through all their tests. They deemed my pancreas was functional and it was at 78% or something. Um, so they figure it's my, it was my fatty liver and I got into the program. They teach you diet exercise. Um, and then I think it was week three, they teach, they introduce intermittent fasting. Um, and it was, it's kind of funny. Cause like I, I mentioned in my, uh, on my Facebook, my, uh, partner, Keith, I had, him and I had started texting. We had met on Facebook dating and started texting. And I talked to the doctor and she suggested intermittent fasting. And I had heard about it, but not, I thought there's no way that's going to be good for a diabetic, right? Because I was thinking my blood sugars would drop too much if I didn't eat. So anyway, the next day I met Keith for my first date and he's lost over a hundred pounds with intermittent fasting and kept it off for four years. And he's like he's a huge inspiration in intermittent fasting. And I mentioned to him my health issues and that they had suggested intermittent fasting and then things just took off from there. And so having him helping me has been huge just to keep me on track, keep me accountable. Um, anytime I have questions, he has every answer I need. So that was January of this year. So oh, I've been so doing intermittent fasting later. now. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So I've been almost a year of intermittent fasting. I started out with 12s and moved up to 16. I've tried 18s. I've tried a couple of ADFs, but um, I find I did, uh, I did 18s for a while, but I find somewhere around 16 seems to be best for me. 18 seems to be a little too long. Um, we've tried wearing gl continuous glucose monitors too, because for me, it's helped iron out what I can and can't eat and what it happens when I eat it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's absolutely. a, there's, there's a, a lot to, um, unpack in this story. I want to, um, if you don't mind just back up one second. So you, yep. um, October, 2021, they put you on metformin and what's the other one? The other one's called glyburide. Glyburide. So what, what dose of metformin were you on? Did they have you on at that time? A thousand milligrams a day. Okay. And then you had the glyburide as well. And then were you able to bring those down over time? Or are you still on those two medications? No, I actually, um, in January of this year, I was still taking the glyburide and the metformin. Um, they, as soon as I got into the program, the first week, the doctor, cause it's led by a couple of doctors, the doctor suggested to get off the glyburide because I was finding when I did my strength training or hiking or anything, I was, I was dropping too low. Um, so they took me off the glyburide and I was just on the metformin until March. And I, I went off of the metformin altogether in March. Okay. So, so you are, you're on a, no medication. I am currently unmedicated and my last A1C was still 6.3. Wow. That's so, great. Yeah. And I yeah. think you can bring it down. Are you still, um, I mean, it, sometimes it happens sort of slowly, especially if there's still some extra weight to lose or something like that. It could take a little yeah. while. Are you still on that? Are you still trying to lose weight or are you pretty much where you want to be? No, I'm still trying to lose weight. I'm down, I'm down 50, 53 pounds right now. Um, I'd still like to lose maybe another 20 would be great. But uh, yeah, I think there's still definitely some fat to lose too, which would help. And, and I'm sure there's been a lot of insulin resistance happening. So it takes time, I think, to get past that or get over it. Yeah. Well, congratulations on your success thus far. That's really Thanks. incredible what you've been able to do <laughs> in a pretty short period of time. Yeah. So well, I'm pretty motivated, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the key is, uh, I, I hear this from a lot of people that when they get a really bad health diagnosis, it's just like, and you said it yourself, you just quit sugar immediately. Right. Like, yeah. Like the day, was it the day you saw your A1C? The day like, I saw, it. As <laughs> soon as I saw that I would, I quit. That was it for me. I, and for me, like I said, it was my mom. She had type two, she had a lot of health issues, but she had type two diet, type two diabetes. She only had one kidney left and she passed away with, from uh, kidney failure at 68 years old. So she didn't get to see, you know, my gra granddaughter be born or any of that. And, you know, my kids, she was at my oldest daughter's wedding, but she won't ever see the other ones, you know? So, and for me, that was the huge, I was like, there's no way I want that for my kids and my granddaughter. I want to watch them all grow up. And my granddaughter was born in the same month that I was diagnosed with diabetes. And so it was like, I'm done. No sugar. I eat almost no carbs. I, I, uh, tried carnivore for a little while too. Um, it's not bad, but it's not sustainable for me. 
Yeah, I kind of feel the carnivore. same way. It's hard. So what what does your yeah. diet look like now? I would consider it kind of a ketovore. I don't do sugar. I don't do carbs. I don't I don't have like uh, bread, potatoes, rice, any of that stuff. Um, mostly, I'm largely meat based with some berries and some vegetables. Um, occasionally, I'll have like a gluten free hamburger bun. <laughs> But for the most part, I, I stay away from all of all of those foods. I do nothing processed anymore. Everything I eat is fresh. Um, staying away from like vegetable oils and seed oils as well. Yeah. Well, you've done a real 180, I'm sure, from where you started. It's been life changing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh with respect to your diet now, you said that you are a continuous glucose monitor. Are you still, are you still wearing it or did you stop at some point? No, I, I wear them every now and again, just to check in. Mm -hmm. um, the last time I wore one, I found, found that this for me, stressing about it was not helpful. Uh, I'd be eating and I'd just be watching the numbers up and down and up and down. And, and Keith would wear one and his, his line is like nice and straight and static because he doesn't have diabetes or those kind of issues so he's like or he'd eat something sweet and his go up and straight back down where if I eat something sweet it goes up and it stays up there and it takes a long time for it to come down and it was just causing me more frustration to watch that so I I just I've I've taken a step back from that and been concentrating more on those a1c's yeah, that's good. I mean, it, for people that have diabetes, it's so valuable to have a continuous glucose monitor because it, like you said, you really see what the impact of food is and you can see how yeah. long certain foods stay in your system and cause your blood sugars to be elevated. And there's been, there are some surprises too, right? Um, you think that something, it looks like it should be, you know, a good, uh, has a good, it's good on the GI index and everything, but then you eat it and uh, like other people don't have a reaction, but mine goes up. And so it's, it really, for me has let me dial in my diet, the way more specific to try to keep my sugars down and keep them more static. Yeah. I mean, tell me something though, because uh, you've been doing this for two years now, the chain, the new diet, do you feel it's not new anymore? Do you feel like deprived in any way or do you, are you like pretty happy and comfortable with your diet? No, I actually, I actually feel really comfortable with it. I, I am fairly creative with my cooking. So even though it might be the same foods all the time, I, you know, I change how I, how I cook it or, or when I eat even. Um, the one thing I have noticed with the intermittent fasting is that I'm, I'm really focused on only eating when I'm hungry. Um, because I used to eat because I had to, it's breakfast, it's lunch, it's dinner. Oh, I better eat. I better eat. Now I just eat when I'm hungry, which is why sometimes I do ADF or an OMAD because I just, I'm not hungry. So why would I put food in my body if I don't need it? Right. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, it's a lifestyle change, I guess, but I don't really miss it. It took a little bit. I don't miss and I don't crave anymore like sugar potato chips or that kind of thing that's it's been so long it it just kind of eventually fades away and like i said having keith there he has all kinds of health issues he's celiac and um so 
his diet is very dialed in for what for him so it makes it much easier for me to follow along because he's right there we're actually that's part of why I'm downsizing we're in the process of moving in together so oh congratulations yeah thank you wow it's that's really nice to have somebody that's like you know really on the same page as you when you're trying to do this because while you can do it on your own or with a partner that's not supportive it's just so much easier when somebody's like right there with you just the food choices are so much easier you don't have you know a lot of junk food around your house that you have to be resisting all the time. And it's just absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's the biggest thing, cleaning out the cupboards. It took me quite a while to, to slowly empty out all the stuff I had in my cupboards and shift over to the fresh foods and no processed and stuff. But, um, and he's uh, again, been instrumental in that because of his diet restrictions. So, but having, I, I can't say it would have been as easy to do had I had somebody here who eats that stuff still, right? Because I'd be making two different meals, one for me, one for them. I don't know. And yeah, even if you um, are making the two different meals, it's still hard if you have a cupboard full of, you know, chips and sweets and things like that, because you just constantly have to be resisting it. I mean, over time, it becomes yeah. a little bit more automatic, but still it's there. And at some points you're weak and you might just give in, you know? Yeah. And I just avoid those aisles at the grocery store. Um, I, because it's no processed, the grocery stores are set up. You walk around the perimeters where all the fresh stuff, the aisles are all the, the junk food. The, 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 the one thing that Keith and I noticed, we went to Montana for a week in the summer camping and we stopped in a little grocery store in I think it was Idaho and we couldn't find any fresh food. They, everything in that store was processed um, and we couldn't find things that were sugar-free or gluten-free. So that's can be tricky when you're on holidays, right? And especially when you're camping, how do you find that stuff? And wow. Uh, but yeah, there, there are some areas. Yeah. Like the more remote you are, it's harder to find that stuff. You're right. And it's just, it's very challenging. And we're walking around the store and looking at everything and we're thinking, do we even ask? Because <laughs> it didn't seem like it was a place that was going to be all that open to special dietary needs. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you kind of feel sorry for the people that live around there because they don't even stand a chance. It's like, if you can't no. get access to that food, you, you can't live this lifestyle. Yeah. What's frustrating though, too, is the cost of fresh food. It should be, I, I, personally think that fresh food meats and vegetables and fruits should be cheaper than processed foods. Let's promote healthy food. Right. But it, it's not that way. Yeah. One would think, um, especially since the cost of obesity in this country and, you know, the civilized world yeah. is just so high that you would think that it would make sense. It would be in everybody's best interest to make these foods cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same, like with the the CGM that I only get a CGM every now and again, cause they cost me a hundred dollars and it lasts for two weeks. If I was insulin dependent, it would be covered by my medical. It would be free, but because I'm not insulin dependent, I have to pay for it. And that seems a little backwards to me. Um, yeah. I stand a chance of putting this into remission. So why not promote it for me to get, to get, you know, get rid of the type two diabetes. Yeah, the medical system for, for right. all of us, we're all diabetic. It's, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, the medical system is very reactive versus, um, proactive. So yeah, it's just a constant problem. I, I hear you and, uh, you're trying to do all the right things and it's costing you a lot of extra money to, to do it that way. Yeah. Which is frustrating. Um, can you bring me back to when you started intermittent fasting? So you met Keith and you started like right around that same time. And yeah, how, how was it starting? Was it, um, and I know you were still on the metformin and the other drug that you were on. So was it like, were you trying to juggle all these things? How did it work? Um, it was, they suggested you start with a 12 hour fast. And so I would eat dinner, um, and then start fasting at like eight o'clock at night until eight o'clock the next morning. So it wasn't so bad. It was an easier transition. I just get up in the morning and take my medication and, and still have my breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, and then I slowly eased up to longer fasts and, I, I, like I said, I, I give Keith a lot of credit because it would have been a lot harder. Those first, that first while I was, cause we're long distance right now. That first while I was like, man, I'm hungry. And he'd message me back. Are you really hungry? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm really hungry. And he'd be like, well, are you asking yourself if you're hungry? How do you feel? And he just questioned me on it. And then he'd say, well, have some salt, drink some water with some salt in it and wait 20 minutes and see how you feel an hour would go by and I'd be not hungry and I'm not texting him anymore because I had a drink of water and it's off my mind. I'm not thinking about it. So he really helped in expanding that and keeping me from eating just because I felt like I should be eating. Um, I, I really do firmly believe having an accountability partner makes it that much better. Even yeah, if it's somebody sure. you don't know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, were you reading any of the literature at that time? Like, any of Jen Stevens books or Jason Fung? No, I listened to a lot of podcasts um, and Keith gave me a laundry list of reading to do, but I just, I don't have time to sit and read. I'll, I'll listen to a podcast or listen to a book on an audio book, but, um, and I find that kind of reading is really dry. I'm more of a research online, figure it out. Um and then well, I, I guess you had Keith, I commented so. <laughs> where I was going to say, I commented at him a few times. Why do I need to read the book? You know it. <laughs> you could just answer my questions. <laughs> yeah. I guess not everybody has the benefit of a Keith in their life. So no, you, they don't. you get off easy there. You don't have to read all I did. stuff. <laughs> I did. And he memorizes all of it because he's been so immersed in it for so long. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So you started out with the 12 hours and then you started gradually like you know, tightening up your eating window. So, and you said now you do whatever you feel like OMAD, ADF, you know, but what do you, what do you feel like you normally do? Normally I'm about 18. My, I, I set my, I still use a fasting timer and I try to do a minimum of 18. Um, I know 16 to 18 works best. So I try not to push it too much past 18. Um, I noticed when I pushed it past 18 to 20, I was doing some 20, 24 for a little while. And I actually was gaining weight and I thought, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Let's dial that back a bit. Um, and I'm back into losing again right now. So I, Keith's opinion is that after I get past the 18, when I, the higher I get, the more stressed my body feels. So I create that cortisol and I have the, the cortisol spike from the stress. And that's, he figures that's probably why I'm having a hard time losing weight when I go too long on the on the fasts. the 
pro program I went through, the, the doctors in that program recommend 16 to 18 as well. Um, yeah, that seems to be the consensus on what you need to be able to reverse type two. Yeah. In conjunction with a, a good diet that's low in carbs. Yeah, exactly. And, and no sugar really. Um, I think if uh, no sugar, no alcohol, I, I mean, I was never a big drinker anyway, but, um, those seem to be the two that I see people say, oh, well, I've tried intermittent fasting, but it's not working. And I'll ask them, well, what are you eating? And they'll tell me what they're eating in their eating window. And okay, so you're not eating for 16 hours and then you eat like 4,000 calories in your eight hours and you're having, because alcohol is high calorie, right? And they're having sugar. And I'm like, well, you need to change your diet too. You can't just do the fasting and then gorge for your window, right? Yeah. Um, and that actually, it's interesting too, that you said that when you were doing the longer fast, you were gaining weight. I sometimes have that happen to me too. And I think it's just because once I open up my eating window, then I'm like kind of like pretty hungry. And then, so I eat more than I would have yeah. if I had just done something like my normal 19 or 20 hours. Right. Or you're not even as careful about what you eat either. Cause you're hungry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. Yeah. Your body gets accustomed to whatever you, you know, normally do. So it, it does get out of whack if you do extended periods, especially I wonder too, if, um, because I want to ask you, since you are, are you on the other side of menopause or are you still going yeah. through it now? You are? Do yeah. you find that that's- Yeah, I was actually, when I met my new doctor, I had already been through menopause by then. I had a uh, hysterectomy oh, okay. a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. So then for you, it's not really relevant, like how the fasting has changed with your body, you know, entering mm -hmm. different stages, but so you've already, you know, you started in this stage and you're continuing on. So that's good. Yeah. 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 My new doctor tested and she's like, oh, you've already been through menopause. I can see. And I'm like, okay, awesome. I thought I had, but I wasn't sure. Uh, yeah. So your doctor, this, the doctor that you had, the one that retired, then you went to a new doctor. Is that the one you're still with? No, I have, have another, another new doctor. <laughs> it's actually, she, that doctor has been gone for almost a year now. It's really hard to get a doctor here. Um, and so I've been kind of winging it on my own because I've been trying to get a new doctor. So a lot of my, a lot of my follow-up has been left hanging for the last year. And I've just a month ago, got a new doctor that, that is caught, got me all caught up on everything. So, um, and does your new doctor, is your doctor supportive of intermittent fasting and all the changes that you've made or are they like, eh? You should be doing something different. <laughs> I don't think she fully believes me. <laughs> really? I've I've met her twice now and uh, and she has asked me a lot of questions about, you know, how far I've come and what I've done and and she's I don't think she fully believes yet how far I've come. I don't I don't think she's had time to really look into it. But she uh seems to be supportive of the intermittent fasting and the strength training and I mean it's how could she not? I'm I'm healthier now than I was when I was, you know, 25. Yeah, absolutely. My so maybe same as I did before I had children. So, you know. Incredible. So in terms of your physical activity level, has that changed at all since you've started this lifestyle? 
Absolutely. I definitely have way more energy. Um, super, I've gotten super active. Uh, I started with the strength training two days a week and um, I opted it in November last year uh, to three days a week. And then I went up to four days a week or so, but I also keep my steps over 10,000 and uh, Keith and I are very active with hiking and and paddle boarding and kayaking and all kinds of things. Um, and I'm able to keep up with him because he's Superman that way. Um, but uh, it's, I don't, it's nice. I'm not fatigued all the time. I'm not sore all the time. I did hurt my uh, shoulder in May. So I haven't really been doing strength training. Um until it heals i've got full range of motion back but it's still pretty weak right now um but uh the house we're moving into we're putting a gym in there so oh my gosh we're back wow. at it in no time i'm i feel like i'm ready to get back into the gym so yeah so is that one of your future goals is just to be continue to be more active absolutely yeah 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 i love it i it's it's nice it's refreshing to be able to get out and go for a an hour-long hike and not be exhausted and sore later um and then of course with my little granddaughter growing up i want to be able to keep up with her and have fun and run around and play and and not be tired right i i didn't have that for a lot of years with my own kids yeah so because i was overweight and now i just feel so good oh that's amazing and you uh i don't know if you have been wearing your continuous glucose monitor when you exercise but are you noticing your any changes in your blood sugars when you exercise I have done that. And, uh, the biggest changes for me, so, um, are anything to do with my legs. If I go on a really steep incline hike, my blood sugars plummet. Um, if I do, um, deadlifts, squats, or leg press, anything with those big leg muscles, my blood sugars drop significantly doing those kind of exercises, as opposed to cardio doesn't really do a whole lot. It's more to do with the muscles. How interesting. Um, because as a type one, I have a little bit of a different situation. Like when I walk, my blood sugar will definitely go down. Uh, yeah, but if I do too. Yeah. But like if I were to lift something and engage those muscles, it would go up. You end up with high blood sugars. So you actually need to take insulin or in my case, take insulin before you do those things. It's just very fascinating how your blood sugar reacts to exercise. Yeah, it is. Um, walking definitely brings my sugars down. We we went for a sugar-free ice cream and within about a half an hour, my glucose, I was wearing a monitor and it, it went off that I had high blood sugar. It was at 13 or 14 and it should be between five and six. I just, I, I said to, to Keith, I got to go for a walk and I just power walked and you could watch the numbers come down. It took a while, but they do come down faster if I'm, if I'm walking, but I was wearing the glucose monitor to the gym and checking out which of the machines and which of the weights that I'm lifting had the biggest impact on my sugars and my glucose. And that was the, like I say, the using the big muscles in my legs seemed to be the biggest impact for me. Yeah. That's really fascinating. And, uh, that's like one of the values of the CGM is you can, cause people think that it's only food that impacts your blood sugar, but it's not, it's also exercise, stress, sleep, stress. 
It's so many, you know, there's hundreds of variables that will affect your blood sugar. And so if you can kind of figure out what's doing what, then you can sort of manage that a little bit better. Absolutely. And, and the other thing is everybody thinks every diabetic is the same. Oh, you have diabetes, you have to avoid sugar, but it's not, not everybody's the same. My body reacts different to the exercise or the food than somebody else's, or, you know, I have a good friend who's diabetic and he, you know, he's type one diabetic and his blood sugars don't react the same to, to certain foods that not mine do. Um, we're, you know, we're all different. It's so, so, so true. It was, I remember when I got diagnosed, um, I, I wouldn't pluck my eyebrows because for whatever reason that plucking would send my blood sugars just through, you know, right through the ground, like low blood sugar every single time. And then I talked to another, yeah, I talked to another type one friend of mine and I was like, do you get low when you pluck your eyebrows? And she's like, what are you talking about? So it's just (laughs) like, everybody has like a, their own little weird quirks with their blood sugars. I think if I did that, mine would probably go up from the stress. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, everybody's right? different. Yeah, totally. Uh, you can't really predict it, but um, no. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's good information to know what your particular body does. And I have a suspicion that since your blood sugar was so high, probably for a really long time, cause you don't just wake up with like, you know, you don't go from like a, a 5A1C to a 17.8 overnight. You were probably high for like years. I probably was. So you have so much insulin resistance that you have to undo. So I'm not surprised that just a small thing will cause you to, to go up. I'm, I'm not surprised by that yeah. at all. And you may have yeah. a couple of years ahead of you where you still have, I mean, you're obviously you've done so much good work, um, but you still may have some years ahead of you where you're not quite in that range where you want to be. Yeah. And I mean, I, I seem to be sitting fairly stable at 6.3. Um, which is considered pre-diabetic. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to be out of that range. Uh, yeah. And eventually, I'm sure as, as I keep going, eventually that will happen. But, um, and that's why, like for me, the, the CGM watching it, it's it's like, a, it's like being overweight and stepping on the scale every day and stressing about how many ounces you've gained or lost. Yeah. Um, just watching the changes in the CGM, just, I'm, I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. I'm just going to wait and watch my A1Cs. Cause that three month range seems to be a little more accurate and a little easier for me to deal with. Yeah. But I suspect it'll take another year or two before I drop down. Maybe it's yeah. Yeah. It may take, it may take you a little bit of time. Have you, um, now, obviously before you got the diagnosis, you know, you had these infections, you had other things going on. Have you suffered any complications from having diabetes? Cause I, like I said, I assume you were undiagnosed for a long time. I have, well, that's kind of funny. I, there's a lot of things that now that I, I know what I, that I have diabetes, there's a lot of things that I look back on and I'm like, Oh, that's probably what that was. I had lots of issues with carpal tunnel syndrome, I had tarsal tunnel, which is in your ankles. I had, you know, like slow healing and stuff. And I just, I thought like my doctor never really picked up on all of that. And all of that are symptoms of diabetes. I was probably diabetic for a long time. Um, It's since intermittent fasting though. And like my eyesight, you know, since intermittent fasting though, it's been bizarre. Uh, All of that stuff is... I don't have any those issues anymore. Um, oh, that's great. I don't, you know, 
even I was just complaining a couple of days ago to, to Keith, I'm on the phone and we're talking on FaceTime and I, I have to take my glasses off to see my phone because my glasses make my phone blurry now. I actually think my eyesight has improved. I have to go back and see what's going on because wow. <laughs> I see my phone better without them. And it shouldn't be that way. No, not at all. Wow. But apparently that happens to people. So I'll have to go get it checked, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's, it's been a weird journey anyway. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, but it sounds like everything kind of fell into place in the right way for you, which is so lucky that you didn't have to do a lot of trial and error and you sort of, well, you knew instinctively you had to cut the sugar and the carbs like immediately. Yeah. Well, I watched my mom right um with her type 2 diabetes and i used to get at her all the time cuz she was not taking care of it she would be like oh i want ice cream and she'd take extra insulin so she could have some ice cream and i'm like mom you shouldn't have ice cream like it was so i already had a base knowledge of like from dealing with her so i don't know i think that helped me a lot and and like i said that motivation to not be that person Right. And how long did she, do you remember what age she got diagnosed with type two? I think she was in her fifties, maybe forties, fifties. So it was around the same time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then she only lived to 68. So I can see why you are so motivated to not have that same fate. Yeah. Absolutely. I just, and she was uh, like, she struggled with her weight her whole life too. She was up and down, up and down. So I don't know. I just, all of it, that and having my granddaughter born the same year, I just, I just seeing the two was like, I just need to, I need to fix this. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, it seems like you and Keith are like a intermittent fasting super couple. So have you been influencing other people to, to do this? (laughs) Um, You know what? As much as you can, people aren't interested, unless they're interested, there's no point in, and a lot of people have asked me, so what are you doing? How are you doing this? And, and, and I tell them, and unless they ask me for more information, I, I just don't anymore. Um, because so many people, you tell them everything and you spend all that time and then they're, they're not interested. Um, Keith is more into, um, he does his inspirational posts He does like a lot of, he's very vulnerable that way. I'm not so much that way um, with his before and afters because his journey has, is not at all about diabetes, but he had so many other health conditions that cleared up um, from the intermittent fasting. Uh, But I do like him and I tag team when he posts and I see somebody on there that's diabetic or somebody on there that, that I can relate to, I'll comment to them or he'll refer people to me that ask him questions about it. You know, by the way, my girlfriend has diabetes. Maybe you want to talk to her. Um, I I would love to help whoever I can. I I love spreading the word. And um, even like the diabetes thing, um, my friend who has type one diabetes, I've been at him like, Hey, you know, (laughs) you can do better. You, You don't have to, you don't have to be this way. You can do better. Look what you can do with exercise and diet. I mean, he'll be on insulin for his whole life, but he can, control it better with diet and exercise and not so be so insulin dependent. Right. But yeah, I would say he has to want to, yeah, he has to want to. That's right. But I would say that fasting is the best tool for man. One of the best tools for managing type one diabetes. Yeah. 
It really that is. Makes sense. Yeah. I, um, I'm so glad I found it. That's why I started this podcast. Cause I'm like, how does everybody not know about this? This is the way to do it. Because if you can take food out of the equation for so many hours a day, you know, you reduce your insulin, you reduce the time that you have to think about what food is doing in your body and how you're going to have to cover it or not cover it or whatever's going on. It's so stressful. And if you can take out food for 16, 18, 20, whatever hours you'd like to do, it's just so helpful. I think there's just a lot of misinformation out there. Um, when they diagnosed me with diabetes, I had to do a nutrition counseling with a nutritionist and a nurse and they, their whole counseling was, Oh, you should make sure you keep your, your blood sugar steady. You should eat every six hours and you should have this kind of food and that kind of food. And they really, so I was like, there's no way I could do intermittent fasting because my blood sugars wouldn't stay normal if I'm not eating. And, and then I do eat and I'm envisioning my sugars are going to fluctuate so, so much that, that it wouldn't be good for me when in fact, it's not like that at all. Like, um, I really, I think there's just so much misinformation. I, I really strongly believe they need to be educating people, give out, give out a CGM, teach them about intermittent fasting and teach them about processed foods in your diet. Um, even those three things are going to get people on track. Uh, right now the craze seems to be give them all Ozempic. Uh, I don't know much about it, but I'm, I know my neighbor is using Ozempic for her type two diabetes, but I, I mean, feel like, all, yeah, I feel like giving a pill to fix it isn't fixing it. It's just putting a bandaid on it. That's my well, own personal belief. It, it is, but um, it also can be a tool. Like I was going to tell Absolutely. you, like, if you are unable to break through that 6.3 for whatever reason, like you might want to try Ozempic, not forever, but just to, cause it helps you with insulin resistance. I can tell in myself, cause yeah. I take it as a type one, like it's, and I'm yep. going through perimenopause, like it's really helped with the insulin resistance. It's not for weight loss. Cause I actually have gained weight on Ozempic, but, um, it's helped so much with the insulin resistance. So right. it's something, it's something to think about. And, and like one of my friends, she has type two, she fasts and she's on Ozempic and it just sort of like gives her that extra nudge to, to get her there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's like the metformin and the glyburide for me they were they were a band-aid to fix me right now. Yeah. But I really wanted to use them my goal was to get off of them and do it naturally. And I it's like the Ozempic I have talked to a few people who use it and their big thing is they want to lose weight and once they get to a certain weight they'll be able to start upping their exercise and fixing some of the diet issues and stuff so that they can continue the journey without Ozempic eventually. Right. Um, yeah. If they want to, or if they don't, and they just say, look, it's part of my tool chest and I use it, you know, like, yeah, whatever works, everybody's got their own personal journey. I, I like your approach too, where you're just like, I don't want to be on anything. I totally get that and respect it. Yeah. Well, and it is, it's, it's not a one size fits all it's whatever works for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it seems like you've come a really, really long way and, it sounds like your future goals are maybe up your exercise a little bit more. Do you have any other, you know, things that you'd like to achieve in the future? I think right now for me, my key is I'm, I've been working on fixing my sleep because I do have issues with my sleep. And I know that's a big factor in my diabetes as well. Uh, Oddly enough, I wouldn't have guessed, but um, so I'm working hard on fixing my sleep 
and then I, I really want to get back into the gym. I do a lot of walking and hiking and stuff, but I really want to get back into the strength training. So those, that's my key right now. Cause I feel like I've done almost as much as I can with my diet. Now it's time to bring in the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. What's going on with your sleep? Uh, I have had issues with insomnia for as long as I can remember. I go through, I usually go through phases where I can't sleep, can't sleep, can't sleep. And then I'll crash for, for eight hours, eight, 12 hours. Right. Um, I usually, it's about a four, four day cycle. Um, I've got it now. And my, my deep and my REM are not, it's, I'm lucky to get more than an hour of deeper, an hour of REM every night. Um, it's pretty low. I'm very restless when I go to sleep, but I can't stay asleep. I have a hard time falling asleep and then I can't stay asleep. Um, but I have been working really hard on, on, uh, upping those hours, um, changing my bedtime routine, not taking the phone to the bedroom. Um, even fixing, like doing my, my fasting, eating earlier in the day so that I'm not digesting all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And have you had like a sleep study done? No, I haven't. Cause I wonder no. if, um, cause I recently got di- diagnosed with sleep apnea. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I, I didn't have insomnia, but I had really, I was constantly tired, uh, wake up with a really bad headache. Um, and yeah, I had a sleep study done and they were like, Oh, you have sleep apnea. And so I just got one of those CPAP machines to try to help with that. I mean, maybe yeah. it's something to look into. Maybe that'll help you. Maybe your insomnia is caused by sleep apnea. Yeah, I I'm not sure. It's hard to say. I I do wear my um Fitbit which monitors your sleep. It monitors your oxygen at night too and mm-hmm. I don't seem to I don't seem to have any problems there, but you never know. Yeah. It might be something to look into at some point. Yeah, I'm sorry you're going through that. That's when you can't sleep uh or you don't have restful sleep, it's really messes up your whole life. It's hard to It's normal for me, so it doesn't <laughs> like it doesn't bother me. Um, it bothers other people more than it bothers me. It's, it's normal for me. So I just, I don't know. Well, hopefully you can figure it out. So that's not your normal anymore because that's just not a, not a good way to go through life in my opinion. Well, that's what I'm working on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Um, have I, have I missed anything? I don't think so. Nope. Okay. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. It was been such a pleasure to speak to you. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, it was a nice it was a nice surprise to to be asked to come on and talk to you too. But uh, always willing to share my story if I can help it, even one other person who can relate to it and jump on and help and help them. That would be awesome. Well, your story will definitely um, be heard by a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people can identify with what you're saying. So, thank you for giving so much detail and. And congrats on, you know, your whole new life ahead of you. That's super exciting. Thanks. (laughs) All right. Really good meeting you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Hey everyone, thank you for joining today. Happy New Year. Today we have on Bobby Fosberg L. 
and she is 53 years old. She lives in Canada. She has three children, and her journey began about three years ago. Her journey began in October 2021 when she was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and at that time, she immediately changed her diet, cutting out sugar, uh, flour, rice, things of that nature, and she had a very high one a A1C at the time of diagnosis at 17.8. I don't think I've even heard of an A1C that high. So she was in pretty bad shape when she was diagnosed. And she's been able to, through changes in diet and fasting, get her A1C down to 6.3. Now she recognizes that she still has some room for improvement, which she's working on, but she's just got an amazing story. And she's one of she's a person that fast daily, but her fasting isn't extreme. She does 16, 18 hour fasts for the most part. And that has been able to get her those extraordinary results. She's also lost a tremendous amount of weight. And a very, very interesting aspect to her story is that her partner, Keith, is very big in the intermittent fasting community and he helped her get started and has been helping her all along the way. So that's quite an impressive love story and adds a little bit of flavor to to Bobby's story. So I hope you enjoy listening to what Bobby has to say. I found her to be incredibly interesting. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, thank you for joining today. Happy New Year. Today we have on Bobby Fosberg L and she is 53 years old. She lives in Canada. She has three children and her journey began about three years ago. Her journey began in October, 2021 when she was diagnosed with type two diabetes. And at that time she immediately changed her diet, cutting out sugar, uh, flour, rice, things of that nature. And she had a very high one A1C at the time of diagnosis at 17.8. I don't think I've even heard of an A1C that high. So she was in pretty bad shape when she was diagnosed. And she's been able to, through changes in diet and fasting, get her A1C down to 6.3. Now she recognizes that she still has some room for improvement, which she's working on, but she's just got an amazing story. And she's one of she's a person that, fast daily, but her fasting isn't extreme. She does 16, 18 hour fasts for the most part. And that has been able to get her those extraordinary results. She's also lost a tremendous amount of weight. And a very, very interesting aspect to her story is that her partner, Keith, is very big in the intermittent fasting community and he helped her get started and has been helping her all along the way. So that's quite an impressive love story and adds a little bit of flavor to to Bobby's story. So I hope you enjoy listening to what Bobby has to say. I found her to be incredibly interesting. So I hope you enjoy this episode.